Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website at countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. Now, if streaming is your thing, well, we're available there as well. Just head over to your favorite platform, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are extremely excited to welcome country music superstar Joe Nichols. Now, this is a big one for me because I grew up on Joe's music. Over the past 20 years, he has built a really solid career, and we had a chance to talk to him about the last 20 years, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, and how he has navigated through this journey that has brought him to his newest album, Good Day for Living, that was released in February. So please enjoy our conversation with Joe Nichols. Congratulations on the album release. We're about a month removed from the release. How does this one feel compared to others? Is there a different feeling tied to it? Or is it sort of that same feeling you've always gotten from releasing a record? Uh, I, don't, I don't feel as much pressure from this, from this album as I have before. And I don't know if that's just experience or, or just how I feel about the record itself. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. You know, I, I think there's always a bit of, uh, you know, anxiety when you, when you've been working on something for a year or plus and you've put together a collection of songs and you feel like you got a cohesive record that, you know, that, that sounds good compared to a lot of things today and also stays true to, you know, who you are, all those things kind of play into the forming of a record. And, um, after a lot of time and consideration and effort and energy and, Yes on this, no on that. Um, I think, you know, that, that that natural anxiety is there. You know, it's like if you're building a house, you know, you um, you have the specs right. You have the the plans. Everything's going right. And then all of a sudden you, your work is completed and you hope everybody's happy with it. You hope that you got exactly what you wanted. Right. And you jumped back in the studio with. Yeah. Mickey Jack Cones and uh, and Derek George. You worked with them on crickets. Jumping back into the studio with them, was there a feeling of let's try and recreate what we've done in the past? Or is it more just those personal relationships that helps within the studio when you're creating the music? Uh, I think a lot of those things. Um, number one, with, with working with Mickey Jack and Derek, you know, there's a lot of trust between the three of us, you know, with, with not missing little things. Um, you know, with, with believing in a song, the potential of a song or, or knowing when something's honestly just, you know, a stinker, <laughs> you know, like oh, this, this song, you know, it's the demo sounded good. Maybe we thought, you know, this was a little better than it was. You know, you have those, you cut, you know, maybe you cut 20 things for a 10 song or 12 song record. And you have a couple that you're like, eh, it's not killing me. And I don't know that it would make the record better if it was on there. Right. Um, but having that trust with those guys, just knowing musically that they're, they're creative and disciplined at the same time. You know, there's creativity with a producer and discipline with the producer, you know, with, with controlling the, the studio band and, you know, getting vocal where it's not just correct, but it feels good. You know, a lot of those things have to do with, um, with trust, you know? Um, and I think that's what we have at, between the three of us. 
with crickets. I felt like there were so many, and then the label felt like this too. Benny Brown felt like there were so many songs that we cut that were worthy of that record. That's why it was, I think, a 15 or 16 song record. Um, you know, that's just kind of a good chemistry. I think we got it with this. I think this song, this album's a 13 song record too. So pretty right. big album. Yeah. And so at the beginning of 2020, you were rehearsing for shows. You had played a few shows before everything mm-hmm. shut down. So before that point of shutting down, were you thinking about a new record? Was that something was that was at the top of your mind? Or did the shutdown really bring that forward and make you think, okay, well, there's nothing else to do. Let's jump in and do a record. Well, I'd have to go back and think about that time. Um, like you mentioned, you know, we had kind of gotten prepared for the year. Uh, I think it was in March, maybe. We had uh, just taken a little family vacation. I did, I did, at the time, I was kind of still in that separation process from Red Bow, and I think that officially ended in 18 or 19. You know, there's a little bit of time that has to go by before you do anything. Right. Um, but I think at that time, you know, I was finding myself wondering, like, what do I do next? And so I'd have, you know, a few songs that, um, that I'd collected from here or there. I'm like, I like this song. I like this song. Maybe I'll go in and cut a few, like a demo and, and see, you know, how I sound singing that, seeing if this might be the start of a direction for an album and maybe just do half the album and then pitch it to a label or just, you know, maybe start, you know, opening channels to just labels and see what, what the temperature is. And, um, and then 2020 hit and the pandemic hit and shut everything down and it just kind of ended everything. Um, so I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do next. I knew that, you know, I was in no worse or better shape than anybody else. Just figuring out what, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what do we do? So, um, you know, I, that was kind of one of those out of the blue phone calls I got from Benny Brown. He was starting up a new label and asked me to join him. And I was like, wow, this is one of those God moments. Like, of course, I'm going to join you. Of course, this makes sense. You know, that's that, that's the best thing. The best case scenario that could happen happened. Right. And so after 20 years, a 20 year career of really, it feels like go, go, go. You have been on the road a lot over the past 20 years. And so this slowdown, what has it meant for you, not only as a musician, but personally as well? It has given me a lot of time to be a dad in a lot of new ways. You know, I get to I get to take kids to school in the morning and I get to do homework with them, you know. I believe it or not, I think some of that stuff is fun. Um, <laughs> sometimes it isn't, but sometimes it is. Uh, basketball practice, basketball games, you know, plays at school, musicals. You know, I, I, some of those things I just don't get to experience a lot when I'm really touring really heavy. And um, and this kind of gave me a chance to really do that. I really, really enjoy, you know, all those little things. I'll tell you what, I, I, uh, I like to refer to myself, you know, as far as the road and, you know, tour in all these years, I feel like a, a Camry, you know, I feel like a Toyota Camry, where it's just, you, know, you look and you go, man, what is that, a, like a 2015 or 17? You're like, no, it's a 2003. It's just got a lot of miles on it. It's still <laughs> okay. You know, that's what I feel like I am sometimes. But um, I, I was, I found myself the other day, just, just kind of surprised that it's been 20 years, almost to the day. Actually, I was doing an acoustic show on March 1st. And I was 20 years to that day oh, since wow. The Impossible came out. So I was just like, it struck me right in the middle of the show. Like, oh, my God, it's been 20 years. Just it feels like it's been a day. And it, sometimes it feels like it's been 50. Yeah, that's amazing. And that sort of segues into 
some of the stuff that I like to talk about because I like to talk about the journey of a musician. And it's funny because going into an interview, I always love to research and try and find like one or two things that are obscure facts or things that haven't really been talked about within a career. But for you, there's really nothing. You, your life is out there. Everything has been talked about. I saw a recent interview and they asked, uh, what's one thing that people don't know about you? And there wasn't really anything you could come up with. And so I wasn't able to find that stuff. But I wanted to ask along this career, what has that been like? Just having your life out in the open and having people know everything. Did that take some adjusting in the early part of your career? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a funny thing with with your ego, how out of whack you can get, you know, if, if you're too much into yourself. Um, you know, a lot of artists, you know, they, they do this to be famous. They do this to be known and they want their music to be seen and heard. And and uh, it's funny when when people see your or hear your music and see you, they want to be a little intrusive on who you are. And then an artist gets very offended and, oh, just leave me alone. I want my privacy. Right. Well, that's kind of a joke. You know, your ego says, I want to, everybody to see me. I want everybody to hear me, but I don't want you to hear me or see me. And I, I I was no, I'm no different, you know, early on, I just, I wanted to be successful. I wanted my music to be successful and, and, um, you know, and that, that comes with a, a bit of a trade-off and people know more about you and, and you, your flaws are a little bit, um, accented. And I think, you know, good or bad or we're all, we're all flawed, but for an artist thinking he's a big deal you know, those flaws can really stick out to you and like, oh, how dare you know this about me? <laughs> right. You know, I just think that's just an interesting mix. And, um, you know, I, today, th these days, I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I, I don't mind being a flawed person that has, you know, kind of a weird past. I, I can't say it's good or bad or and it's just weird. You know, <laughs> and, as a matter of fact, my longtime business manager, Chuck Flood, who's been in the business for a long time. I mean, decades and and has has as much industry experience as anybody i've ever known and and it's extreme wealth of knowledge and uh he said uh joseph i believe if i ever do write a book one day i will devote an entire chapter just to your life because it's been so weird to me you know for 20 years watching the extreme highs and extreme lows and extreme random things and extreme good and luck and then unluck and, and you know just it's kind of I, I like I don't know how to categorize it. I don't know if it's if any of those particular things. Like I said, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but no, it's it is good. funny how how we uh, how we as artists, you know, feel so offended when people know a lot about us. It's kind of the point, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, but for you off the start, let's talk a bit about that because it was '96 that this sort of started for you, and you signed a deal that fell through eventually you were in Nashville for a couple of years working random jobs. And then in 2002 is when things really took off. And I want to just read out what happened in 2002, 2003. So people know. So you signed your record deal. You released your sophomore record. The lead single impossible went to number three and it was the 10th most played song in 2003. Also in 2003, you had your first number one. You won ACM New Vocalist of the Year, the CMA Horizon Award, the CMT Breakthrough Video of the Year, and you received three Grammy nominations and you toured with Alan Jackson. Now, 
1996, you start this process of, I want this to be my career. It falls through, you spend a couple of years doing random jobs, and then all of a sudden it explodes and you basically have everything you've ever wanted. But did that come with a price? What was what were those first few years like of all of a sudden receiving everything you've ever wanted? Uh, boy, that to hear it kind of put in a timeline like that sounds so funny. You know, 96, I, I had that little independent deal. I just wanted to get out of, out of Arkansas and play music. You know, I knew that I had to get out of the clubs and to get out of the clubs, you had to have a record and, you know, success nationally and, and um, maybe play the bigger clubs. And I, I wanted to do anything I could to, to do that. And I signed this little, record deal with a little independent label that had two people working there. It was just one, one of those very mom and pop shop kind of things. And um, actually one of those two people actually is a pretty big deal now in the, in the industry. Oh, okay. Just, like I said, kind of, you know, it, it probably wasn't going to succeed at a big level, no matter what, but right. it gave me a little bit of, I, I got to Nashville and I got a little bit of a taste for the business and, you know, to, I, plunked around like you said in Nashville for a couple of years trying to figure out who I was what I wanted to be whether I wanted to do this or not got a record deal on Giant that for a number of reasons went really weird another chapter in this book is that you know Giant signed me didn't know what to do with me Giant got swallowed up by Warner Brothers Warner Brothers kept me and one of you know two or three acts that they kept including Blake Shelton and then Warner Brothers okay. didn't really know what to do with me because I was a country guy at that time, there was just not a lot of traditional country stuff that was working. It just um, so they didn't know what to do. Let me go explore other deals. Got a deal with Tim Dubois and Tony Brown on a new label that is brand new deal, and uh, just seemed like the perfect setup for me. And then, like you said, two thousand that was two thousand one, two thousand two. We had our our record release, and everything just kind of started exploding all yeah. the time. And um, Got it. it. It did feel like overnight you you go from just working your tail off for anybody to, to pay attention and uh, acknowledge the work you're putting in. And all of a sudden, all eyes on you. And, yeah. you know, like I said, CMA, Grammy stuff, you know, I remember sitting at the Grammys, I guess, 2003. And um, I remember sitting there and just looking around. I was like second row of the Grammys and I'm sitting in front of Yoko Ono and Hillary Duff and uh, God, I can't. I, it's just like I'm looking around, like, oh my God, am I in the right seat? Right, <laughs> crazy. And then just stuff like that. I, I don't think in uh, like dawned on me the the uh, gravity of that till later on. But I don't right. think there was ever a moment where I where I was ungrateful or, or anything. Like I did, I did learn a valuable lesson that. You know, in my effort to do anything and everything possible to make this successful, you do lose a little bit of yourself and you start resenting, you know, not having moments like, um, you know, I, I'll do anything and everything you ask me to do. I'll, I'll go anywhere, play anywhere. Um, and being that kind of uh, generous with your time nobody else knows it but you know it and i start resenting other people for being that generous does that make sense yeah that I, for sure I, I start giving away myself you know in an effort to make everything work and then i start secretly in my mind start resenting everyone for making me give away myself and that's just it's so bizarre to think that way you know certainly say it out loud my wife tells me all the time you know that's not normal thinking right <laughs> but uh 
that's just kind of how I learned that over time, especially from being a new artist to, to now that, you know, a lot of the conversations that are going on up here aren't happening. And if you're spent on time, then you're just spent and be honest with everybody and, you know, do the best you can, but don't feel like, you know, you'd go overboard with giving your time and all of a sudden hate everybody for you having to go overboard. You know, it's just not the way it works. It's not the way you help a person think. Right. And now you did deal with some addiction in those early years. Was it based around that? Those thoughts within your head that weren't really true, but they were kind of trapped in your head? I think I, I've been an addict for a long time, maybe all my life. Just, just the thinking process is just a little bent. And so the kind of naturally set up that I was probably going to face that at some point in my life, but I happen to be a musician as well. And so those kind of, you know, they kind of do this, those, right. those two things. Um, so, and, and, and a successful musician. So I was given playthings and toys and money and, and all I have, you know, I have an addicted mind, addictive behavior, and I have a lot of cushion for nobody to really be honest with me and telling me, Hey, you know, you gotta tighten it up, buddy. That's wrong. Right. Um, so I got this arm's length, everybody leave me alone. I've got money. I've got, you know, like I said, all, you know, ego, all these kinds of things. So I was just able to hang on to addictive behavior for a long time and be a child for a lot of years. And uh, before I really had to kind of grow up and, you know, that's just one of those things. I think I would have probably learned a lot of harder lessons or I'd have felt the, the consequences a lot harder had I not been a musician or a successful musician. Um, but eventually it took what it took. Right. And that ego that you talk about, is there a point in your journey that you can remember sort of letting go of that? Or is that just sort of a process that kind of works itself out throughout this 20 year career? When I got sober, uh, I finally understood that in here, there's only room for one God and I'm not him. Um, or even, even out here. Um, I, I think that once you have that ultimate humility, uh, and you've had enough of being humiliated, uh, I think, I think your ego finally steps aside and says, for me anyway, it's, it's stepped aside. And I said, I, I'm not God and I can't do what I've been doing. You know, I can't be God. And I think I'll let God be God. And at that point, my ego has been different. And my, my whole outlook on life has been different. Um, Honesty, honesty is different. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably the, the biggest point that I can, I can say that I've really felt humble for the first time. Right. And what did 2020 and 2021 do for that? Did you oh. maybe find <laughs> out some things about yourself that you didn't realize were there surrounding sort of that ego part and, and fully letting that go? You know what? I, I fully believe that I was supposed to be sober before that stuff hit. Cause, oh, my God. Could you imagine me, uh, you know, raging idiot uh, being full on in an addiction during a pandemic? Oh, my God. Talk about making a bad situation worse. Right. I would have been an idiot. I'm mean, even even bigger idiot. Uh, yeah, I, boy, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I kind of let let God do his thing. He's shown up so many times in my life that, you know, I can never be ungrateful. 
or sit here and say, you know, it's not fair or anything like that. I mean, he's blessed me beyond, well beyond anything I ever deserved. So like I said, I, don't, I just don't think that way anymore. I'm, I'm glad I, I changed my way of thinking long before the pandemic started because my God, like I said, talk about making a bad situation 10 times worse. Right. And now going into this album, let's talk about that mindset because I, I heard you talk about sort of the thought of, am I too country? for today's music and are people going to be there to listen and so talk about that mindset and sort of how you work through that coming into this release there's just boy there's that's a a really big question it's a really big i'd have to think on that a long time everybody i think everybody wonders what their part is what what their fit is especially with country radio you always want things to break through at radio because i mean country radio drives our our format um even today with with all the other uh formats available with streaming and with um with youtube and all those all those things you still I, i've still wondered you know where's my part where do i fit you know am i a newer country guy or my traditional country is my my version of country past its mark you know um is that why two country where i kind of fit is that compatible with 2022 um thankfully with the success of with home run and and good day for living i, I see people talk about that's what we need a radio right there right I, I feel great about hearing stuff like that um not from an ego like all right i still got it but like more of a okay i'm my version what i feel in my head is still compatible with what's current today so that's that's good you know that 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 feeling of has my time passed? <laughs> I know that every artist goes through that. Oh my God, is my day over? Um, but I just, I, I'm so encouraged by, by what people say about this new album and, and the songs at radio. My goodness, I, I feel like maybe another day. You know, we'll push that a little further down the road. Maybe hopefully we get, you know, one day just do this as long as we want to do this, you know, and retire on your own terms instead of kind of fading out into the cow pasture and falling over you know what i mean right yeah i say that as i look at a cow pasture over here. <laughs> just turn me out to the pasture there well that has to be an interesting thought because as a musician you're always a musician right you don't lose that fire i imagine till you're 10 feet in the ground and so that thought of you know what's next what if I release music and no one listens, then what's next? Is that something that you sort of have to come to terms with before it happens so that you don't fall into a dark hole? Uh, yeah. And I think, I think all of that is probably um, depends on how, how you view yourself, how comfortable you are with yourself, how okay you are with what you've done in your life. To me, I mean, if I, if I never had another day of success, I'd call it a win. I mean, a 20 year career and in the music industry is pretty long, you know, <laughs> to have a, a good run like that at radio. And I mean, I'm already extremely fortunate, extremely blessed. I think a lot of people say nowadays, um, just a lot of things have shaken out my way and I could never say it wasn't fair. I'm, you know, disappointed in this or that. I've had a great run. I've had a really great run. And Hopefully it extends another 20 years. That'd be awesome if it did. But if it ended today, I'd be thankful. And I, 
I don't know what I'd do the rest of my life if I didn't have music. I always play music, whether it be for three people or 3,000 or 30,000, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm a musician. That's kind of what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thought because you're still a young guy. It's not like you're old, but within, <laughs> right. the, within the music industry, you know, you hit 40, 50, and all of a sudden you're considered an old timer within the industry. Yeah, yeah. when I hit 40, that, that, that question uh, is something about turning 40. I'm like, whoa, does that should become 40? Uh, and what, you know, there's guys putting out records that are, you know, 20, 21 years old, 22 years old. That was me, you know, I was putting stuff out when I was, well, that deal in 1996, I was uh, 19 at the time. Right. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just, it's weird to me. I remember when I was starting, I remember thinking, man, that guy's getting up there in years. And I look at him today, that same artist, and I go, man, that guy was pretty young back then. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that guy was old. He was pretty young. I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm thankful that I got started really early so I can sit here after 20 years I can say well I still got a lot of years in front of me you know as long as I keep making records that are you know relative you know that I that age is just the thing I guess right and as you look back on the past 20 years do you enjoy looking back or is that something that you try and sort of only do at certain times and sort of always try and keep looking forward I think some things I try to look back on and and think fondly about you know there's there's so many musical things that that I've been a part of that I, I feel just really proud of really really proud of that have stood the test of time you know that first album man with a memory that, you know I listened to it here that was put out in 2002 and I listened to it here in 2022 and I'm like it's still that's still a good album man it's still a great album and I'll go through, you know, lots of albums with, uh, I went through three the other day with the album with Tequila Makes Your Clothes Fall Off and I'll Wait For You. Um, and I'll, I'll listen to that album front to back. And it reminds me a lot of this album that I just did. I'm like, that's, that was 2006, maybe five or six. And, um, and that album still sounds good to me. And it sounds a lot like this album. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but. Right. But um, yeah, I do look back on a lot of things and I'm, I feel enormous pride. You know, some things I'm probably uh, grateful that I don't remember. <laughs> some things I showed my ass and I'm probably great, great, grateful that I don't remember those things. Uh, yeah. Hopefully other people don't either. <laughs> and so what do we have coming up next? Are you going to be hitting the road pretty hard once now that things are starting to open up and, and get some shows in and kind of get those road legs back underneath you? Man, uh, we I think we'll do... After doing about 60 shows last year, I think we're going to do in the 85 to 100 shows this year. So it's a pretty, nice. pretty thick schedule this year. Um, and I know everybody's grateful for it. I know everybody, after the past couple of years, everybody's like, let's, let's just go to work, play some music. Everybody's really in a different place than they were in 2019 as far as gratitude goes. Yeah. And have you noticed a difference with fans at shows? Are they more feverish for the music? Oh, yeah. Man, I... Everywhere we've been, everybody's been extremely excited, you know, to be out in the show, to, be, to, you know, come out to our show and watch us play. That's, that's always great, man. Love the comments. I love that people are getting to do some fun things again and um, happy to be a part of that. For sure. That's awesome. Well, I know I have to let you go. So I just want to thank you so much for joining me there 
is still a ton to talk about over the last 20 years. So I'm hoping maybe uh, in the future. Chapter can, one. Yeah, exactly. In the future, hopefully we can have you on for chapter two. Yeah, man, let's do it. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Joe for stopping by and sharing his story. Hopefully at some point we will be able to have him back on for chapter two of his story. If you haven't already, be sure to check out his newest album, Good Day for Living, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform if that is your thing. So just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Thank you so much once again for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music